Open your Bibles to Psalm 25. We're going to be looking at verse 3 today as we continue our series through this psalm. We're spending about eight weeks, not about, precisely eight weeks, in Psalm 25. And we are learning from David, who in the midst of chaos and tribulation and danger and frustration, in the midst of chaos, he lifts his soul to God. And that's what we're learning together, right? How do we lift our soul to God? How do we find the grace of Christ in the grip of chaos? And today we're looking at verse 3 as we consider the need to wait on the Lord. Psalm 25.3 says, Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would teach us, train us, change us. We pray that you would show us the need and the value and the benefit of waiting on you. We pray, Lord, that as we look at your word together, that you would use it to conform us to the image of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Waiting. Ain't nobody like waiting. It's not a thing. It's universally not liked. It's not enjoyed. In fact, it's so universally uh, unappreciated that there's a saying, right? Don't worry, it's worth the wait, right? Like, we, we know this. Like, oh, that's, this isn't so bad. This is, uh, I mean, it's pretty bad. The waiting is bad. Nobody likes the waiting. But you know what outweighs the waiting is this good thing at the end. It's worth the wait. We do not like it. We are all impatient, at least at times. Uh, and maybe there are some of you, and I know that there are some of you that are just more patient in your character than others. I tend to be an impatient person, not so much with people as much with myself, and definitely with gadgets, situations, uh, things like that. I tend to get impatient, want things to happen a bit more quickly. Some of you are more patient than others, but all of us struggle. Waiting is hard. Um, and the problem is, is that much of life, most of life is marked by waiting. And if you don't learn to wait, life becomes pretty difficult Frustrating, even. And there is a deeper, more significant kind of waiting. There's a spiritual waiting. There, there is a waiting on God that is essential to our spiritual health and life and perseverance. And that's what we're going to look at today. We need to learn to wait. So here is the principle. I'm going to give it to you up front. To wait for God is to patiently endure our hardships and hopefully anticipate God's help. That's what it means to wait on God, to patiently endure our hardship and hopefully, uh, hopefully anticipate God's help. Now, I want to break this down simple. We're going to have two parts to this sermon, right? First, I want us to consider that waiting includes patience, okay? You cannot wait for the Lord without patience. So waiting includes patience. And then secondly, I want to see that waiting includes watchfulness, right? That's where we're going. So first, waiting includes 
patience. Hear it again. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Okay, so those who wait for the Lord, and this is an aspect of trusting in the Lord, of lifting our souls up to him, those who wait for him will not be put to shame. That is, they will not be disappointed by God because he will keep his promises. He will come to our help, to our aid. What does it mean to wait? Well, it it includes, it always includes patience, and patience is the wrong word for it, right? Um, Because patience sounds Kind of pretty, doesn't it? In fact, some girls are named Patience, right? Like patient, Patience is a nice sounding word. And it, it, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't appreciate it. I like the old word for patience. You know what the old word was? Long suffering. That's better. That's what it is. Long suffering. That's what patience is. Long suffering. It, long suffering, if you, if you really look at, at what the word means and, and, and how it was used, long suffering meant to endure hardship or trouble or opposition, or wrong without retaliation or a sinful response. That's really what it meant. Long-suffering was like, oh, well, I'm going through great difficulty, maybe even at the hands of some evildoer, but I'm not going to retaliate. Jesus wasn't patient. Jesus was characterized by long-suffering, right? I like that word. I don't like doing it. But I like the word because it's, it's more honest. It's an honest word. Long-suffering. Listen to Psalm 37, verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil. When you are called, when we are called to wait on the Lord patiently for him. We're being told, listen, do not be stirred up and overly focused on your enemy or on your situation. Don't ignore those things. That's not the point. It's not that you ignore them, but you don't focus on them. Instead, your focus becomes God. And we patiently wait for him. And let me just be clear here about patience. Patience is not indifference, right? Like sometimes we think like, oh man, I'm just like, this is a This is a situation I have to wait here, and I'm so patient about it, I'm not complaining. Sometimes it's not that you're being patient, it's that you don't care. Your indifference, your apathy isn't patience. It's not a virtue, right? So don't pretend that you're being patient when you are unmoved about the the seriousness of a situation. Patience is different. It's long-suffering. There is a longing, there is a desire, there is a need that you must wait for in the midst of great trouble. Patience is long-suffering, and and patience is going to be required. Patience is going to be required when you are lifting up your soul to God in the midst of chaos because God does not sync his calendar to your iCal or your Google calendar or whatever it is you use, right? God doesn't sync his plan up to your plan. It doesn't work that way. Right? He doesn't consult you about the proper unfolding of events in your life or in human history. God has a plan. He maps it out. It is best. Even when we can't begin to comprehend how it all works together, God knows. And so we have to be patient because this is why the Bible says it over and over again. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are not always our ways. His plans are, are too hard to understand. So we trust that his plan is good and we submit ourselves to it. Patience is required. Patience is required not only because God doesn't consult us when he maps out a plan, 
Patience is required because sometimes, many times, the bad guys don't get got, if you know what I mean, right? Like how bad people get away. And if they don't get away, they get away with it, right? Like we've, we've known, we've, we know bad people. We've watched the trials. And because they have money, sometimes they're able to just get away with it. They have money for the best attorneys and... It's frustrating, right? You got to be patient sometimes because sometimes, sometimes the promises of God are not going to be fulfilled until a much later date. So patience is required as we wait. And patience, patience is quiet, right? Patience is quiet. I mean, if you see a person in a long line, Starting to yell. I used to do the drive in the 80s. I did the drive through line at Taco Bell. I manned it. Now, listen, I've done a lot of things. That's the most stressful job I've ever had in my life. <laughs> 16 years, I, I was 15. I told him I was 16. But I was, as a kid, manning that drive through, people would get out of line, come walk all the way up, and bang on the window to yell at me as if I have something to do with it. Uh, super stressed. So, like, that person's not patient, right? They're not quiet. Patience is, is, is quiet. Look, look at, listen to Psalm uh, 62. Psalm 62, 5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. Silence. Not absolute silence, right? I mean, God doesn't call us to be absolutely silent. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to praise him, right? He's not telling us to be nonverbal or non-communicative or non-expressive. That's not what he's saying. We praise, we pray. Those are, these are good things. We're called to do those things, even in, especially in the days of chaos. But quietness is stillness. ceasing to strive and a willingness to trust. It's a stillness. Listen to Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So be still, right? Stop striving. Be still. We're talking about a quietness of spirit, a quietness of heart. Not that you don't have anything to say, but that you are still enough to listen. Because quietness, it's not just stillness. Quietness is listening. Quietness is learning. We've all, we, we, we all know this, right? Like, you, you can't really hear somebody if you're just constantly talking over them, right? Like, we have to learn. To be honest, we all have to learn to shut up, to shut our mouths and take a posture of listening and learning, especially in the days of chaos. Because in the days of chaos and trouble and tribulation, we have a lot to say, oftentimes because we feel like we're the victim and we're the ones that are struggling. And even if we did it to ourselves, then it could just be complained about what I've done and the mess that I've created, when God calls us to wait, he's calling us to patiently endure our hardship, 
quietly. It doesn't mean that we don't have a just complaint. You see psalms of complaint even. That's not the point. The point is, is that we take a posture of listening and learning. Maybe. Maybe the reason that God is asking you to wait right now in the midst of the chaos and the trouble, maybe in dark days and days of dissatisfaction, God is calling you to wait because he needs you to learn something that you wouldn't otherwise learn. And you can't learn it if you don't learn to be quiet. So we listen. We listen. And how do we learn? How do we learn the lesson? Because patience is strengthened by theology. Theology, right? Theology. Theology is the knowledge of God. I like to think of it as the, the, the knowledge of God derived from Scripture that is personally experienced and then publicly expressed. That's theology, right? It's the knowledge of God. Listen to Psalm 130, verse 5. Listen to this. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. See, the psalmist says, listen, I'm waiting for the Lord, right? I'm lifting up my soul to the Lord. I'm waiting for him. I'm enduring my hardship, right? I'm anticipating God's help. So I'm waiting, and in his word, I hope. I am strengthened in this position. My patience grows. My long-suffering is learned through God's word. And in the Psalms, when it talks about God's word, what does it mean? Well, it means a lot of things. It always at least means his revealed word, right? That it would be the portion of what we call the, the Old Testament, right? It, it refers to the scripture that's given. But it sometimes specifically is referring to his promises, his word, his promises, the promises that he made to all of us from the very beginning. The promise of a savior, the promise of redemption, forgiveness, and restoration, the promise of life and a kingdom and flourishing. We trust in his word. When we are called to be patient, we learn this by looking to God's word and theology in particular because God's promises, right? His promises are rooted in himself and his character. So let me give you some examples, right? When the days are tough and unfulfilling or dangerous and you're scared, right? When all of this stuff is going on in your life and now you have to wait. What grants us patience? How does patience grow? Well, when we begin to learn by seeing it again, sometimes again and again, afresh in the scripture, we learn, oh, God is good. I know you already know that, but sometimes we need to read it on the page again. And God there reminds us, strengthens us. He is good. He is good. There's a, there's a country artist. This, this popped into my head this morning while I was preaching, so I, I'll try to be a little less confusing about it here. Stephen Wilson Jr., does anybody know the country artist Stephen Wilson Jr.? Second time, nobody. Okay. You, you probably all listen mostly to heavy metal like me. Um, I don't listen to country, but this, uh, this, this, this guy has a new album. And it, the full album just dropped, but I heard a, a single called The Devil, and it's about, it's about the evil in the world. And he has a really creative and, and honest way of writing about the evil that's in the world. And it's all that it is. There's no real lesson there, just that it's, it's 
The world is a dark place. There's another song that I heard for the first time yesterday. It's called Twisted. And he sings about how the world is twisted. And he just paints picture after picture of all of the horrible things that happen in life to you, to me. And the chorus is, and he says it a, feels like a hundred times, God is good, the world is twisted. That's as true as scripture, people. God is good and the world is twisted, it is, it is. When you're going through chaos, you're experiencing the twisting, the bending, the marring, the consequence of sin that we ultimately are responsible for introducing into creation. When you relearn, and that's what it is, when you relearn by reading scripture that God is good, you can say, wow, the world is twisted, but God is good. He is faithful. He is just. He is present. He is sovereign. He is there. He is at work. You learn theology, right? And you relearn it. You meditate on it. You dwell on it. You, you learn again when you read scripture that sin will ultimately be answered, all of it. All of it will be answered. So when you see wicked men getting away with it, you can patiently endure, even though you are frustrated at what's going on because you know that God will ultimately answer. The theology teaches you that God will use your chaos to fit you for a crown. The damaging, dark days are there to develop your character and to make you more like Jesus all this to say, waiting on the Lord, right, which is what we're called to do if we're going to lift our souls up to him in the midst of the chaos. Waiting includes patience because the chaos, it's never quick. I mean, it comes on quick, but it doesn't evaporate like the morning mist or dew. It, I mean, hard times are called hard times for a reason, right? They are times. They're, they're, they extend so lifting up our soul to God is an ongoing work of the heart in which we are waiting for God to help us in the midst of our hardship. Waiting includes patience. Number two, waiting includes watchfulness. It includes watchfulness because what, see, there's a, there's a, we get confused about waiting we, 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 all, we think about waiting like um, when I get my oil changed at Jiffy Lube, which I do not recommend, by the way. <laughs> they always want to show me the filters. I'm not looking. I don't care. I can see that there's a dead bird in it. I'd leave it. Leave it, leave it in. Put it back in. I'm not buying a filter. Anyway, <laughs> go to Jiffy Lube, and they're, they're doing the oil, and I, you, know, you sit there, and you wait. You're doing nothing, right? It's really not. You're just do, doing nothing. And that's how we sometimes think about waiting, Waiting isn't doing nothing. It's not absolute passivity. We are waiting for something good. Right? See, I think a lot of us get confused because when sometimes, a lot of the time when you're called to wait, when God's saying, hey, you need to wait and you need to wait on me, that's happening in the midst of disappointment. Right? So you experience garbage, fire, hate, whatever it is, like all the bad stuff in life. And it's like, oh my goodness, and I need God's help. And God's like, okay, you need to, you need to wait for me. But we, it's, it's like we stop waiting for God and we just start waiting for the next bad thing to happen. 
Did you ever do that? It's like, what's next? What else? Right, that's what we say. You know that expression, waiting for the other shoe to drop? It's that sense of anxiety and tension that comes when you're waiting for the next bad thing to happen. It, 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 it's, it's a silly expression that comes from when, you know, in the, I think it was the 19th century. It was when it kind of came out. But, you know, you'd be lying in your bed in your apartment and you're uh, trying to go to sleep and you hear the neighbor up there getting ready for bed, you know, going up there with his boots and he, he takes one boot off and, you know, it falls. Now, you, you can't do anything until the other boot falls. You have to wait. You're just going to wait. I know it's coming. Just get this. Just, oh, why isn't it? Where is it? Why isn't it falling already? What's he doing up there walking around with one boot? And, and so like waiting for the other shoe or boot to drop. That's where a lot of us, we fall into this when we're waiting. We stop waiting for God and we start waiting for more harm. We're not supposed to be waiting for the bad. We're supposed to be waiting for the good, waiting for God himself. Therefore, waiting is watchfulness, right? Waiting means, waiting on the Lord means opening up your eyes and paying attention, not just to your circumstance, but to what God is doing in your circumstance. So let me, I'll break it down like this. Waiting in, means watchfulness. One, you, you have to watch for God's work in you. That's probably the best place to start. Because like when you're going through it and you're suffering or when you're confused and you're seeking and you're lifting up your soul to God and you need God to help, right? And so like you're looking around, what's, what's, what's he going to do? You're waiting. Look to see what God is doing in you because he is already at work there. He's already at work. We just, it's hard for us to see it. It's sometimes hard for us to perceive it. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've experienced Christian growth, right? Spiritual growth. You become slowly, progressively better. And, and, and as the, we call it sanctification, right? The best version of yourself. That's what God is doing. Conforming us to the image of, of Christ and his character. But like we grow slow, right? It's slow. You don't feel yourself growing. You can't watch yourself grow but it is something that you can see or discern after the fact. So watch for what God is doing in you. What is he doing in you? Is he convicting you? Is he encouraging you? Is he enlightening you? Is he encouraging you? Is he, is he calling you to forgive? Are you becoming a more forgiving person? That's not in you. That's not, that's not just a natural thing. That's God at work in you. Watch for what God is doing in you. Secondly, watch for what God is doing around you, in other people, and yes, in your circumstances. Pay attention. Be hopeful. Anticipate what God is doing. You watch for, here's what you really look for. You want to be clear? Watch for the fulfillment of his promises. Now, if you're new here or if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to last week's message because that's where we talk a lot about the promises of God and how that needs to be where we build our anticipation and expectations from God. What are his promises, right? That way we don't have a sense of entitlement that God should give us what we want, but that we all oh, look at what God has promised to give us and that's what we look forward to. 
We watch for his promises to be kept. And and all of this is building a a kind of anticipation, right? When you're watchful, you're anticipating what's God going to do. And then when you see it, it builds courage. Anticipation, like this watchfulness, right? To wait for God is to patiently endure our hardship and hopefully anticipate God's help. That anticipation gives courage. Listen to Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So wait for the Lord, okay, be strong. How, okay. Listen, most of you, if you wind up going through difficulty, you realize at some point God shows it to you pretty plainly, uh, you are not that strong. You are not self-sufficient. You are not a hero, Right? When you're going through it, you realize, like, no, I am frail, I am weak, I am needy, I am dependent, so how can God tell me to be strong? Because he's not telling us to be strong in ourselves. He's telling us, find strength in me, wait for me, and you will be strong. Because the anticipation of my help itself gives you courage. Because with the chaos always comes fear, Right? Fear is the, is the friend of chaos. Chaos doesn't go anywhere without bringing his buddy fear. Fear just comes with it. And it's, it's natural. It's normal, by the way. Like be, being afraid doesn't mean that you're childish. It doesn't mean that you're immature. It doesn't mean that you're weak. Fear is normal. We're afraid of danger, right? We're, that's normal. We're afraid of danger. We, we fear pain. We fear loss. That's normal. What God tells us to do is not to ignore the fear or pretend that we're not afraid. He tells us to take courage, right? To take heart. Listen to Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, because I am with you. Do not be dismayed, because I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. This is what God says to his people. Not just to the nation of Israel in a particular circumstance. This is what God tells his people. I am with you now and forever. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. What I will do is support you and strengthen you and cause you to persevere. So, trust me, wait for me, be encouraged, be strengthened. Psalm 34, 4. says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. It's not that David didn't have fears. He, he had them. But he was delivered from them. What does that mean? When you're delivered from an enemy, they are no longer your oppressor. They are no longer your master. It doesn't mean they don't exist, but they're not in charge. He delivered me from all my fears. Anticipation builds courage. Anticipation of God's grace, of God's help, builds courage because we are learning that God, and we have to learn it, not just know it, because we are learning that God is bigger than our fears, bigger than our enemies, bigger than the chaos. God reigns. God rules in the chaos, not just in spite of it. He is present. And this is why Waiting includes watchfulness because we have to not just twiddle our thumbs and passively 
endure difficulty. We are actively anticipating God's help by watching the fulfillment of his promises come to fruition. To wait for God is to patiently endure our hardship and hopefully anticipate his help. So here's the question. How can I be assured? How can I know that God is going to help me in the darkness, in the difficulty, in the chaos, in the pain, in the loss, in the self-sabotage? How can I know God's going to help me? And we usually wind up asking that question when we get really discouraged. And sometimes it's because like, well, you know what? It's my own fault. Like I've done it to myself. Why would God help me? Or we think like maybe it's not your fault, but you're still in the mess and you haven't handled it well. You know, maybe, maybe you look at your need and you simply recognize, I don't deserve God's help here. Why would he help me? And I believe what Jesus says to this, what God says to this, is you're right, you don't deserve my help, but I love to give it. You don't deserve God's love, but he loves you. J.I. Packer once said that the gospel can be summarized, very summarized, by saying God loves sinners. That's Good news. So how can we know? How can we be sure that God will help us in the midst of our need when we're called to wait? How can we be assured that he will help us? One final passage of scripture, Romans 8, 31 through 39. A lot of you know this. Well, let's take it in together. It says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That's called chaos, people. Can any of these things separate us from the love of God? He says, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Chaos. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's how you know. Why will God help you? Because he's already given you everything in Jesus. He gave you his son, the most costly gift, out of a sense of love, not out of a sense of duty, out of a sense of love, out of a sense of compassion. God has given us his son. How will he not also give us all things, all things that he has promised? So let me just say this. If, if you're a Christian, I think most of, most of us here are Christians. Um, life is a lot of waiting, right? And there are going to be times, there will be seasons when you have to wait spiritually, quietly, patiently, enduring hardship, but anticipating God's help. I want you to know this, while you're waiting, God is already at work. 
It's like it's not, God isn't chilling, okay? God is at work. You just can't see it. You're not waiting for him to make a decision. He's eternal. He has already decided everything. You're not waiting for him to show up. He's already there. He's active. He is present. What you are waiting for is for the revelation of his help, of his work, of the fulfillment of his promises. And if you are not a Christian, I want you to know that uh, this Jesus that we're talking about who forgives sinners, who offers up his life and dies for sinners to take the judgment that we deserve so that we could be acceptable to God. This Jesus in whom we see the love of God, in whom all sinners can be saved, this Jesus extends his pierced hands to you. You can be forgiven. He is the help that you need, the help that we have found. We pray that you will look to him as we all look to him to be our help in the days of chaos. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would comfort us and conform us. Lord, that you would uh, lift our heads when we are weighed down with sin or guilt, that you would remind us that in Christ we are forgiven, always loved, always accepted. Lord, we pray that, that you would teach us to walk in humility, to practice repentance, and to patiently wait for you that we would not strive against you, but that we would wait for you to help us, that we might glorify you, both in the, in the days of pleasantness as well as the days of pain. In Christ's name we pray, amen.